So now I am recording. So I'm with Nora here in Carsivine. Nora, how are you? You want me to just talk about my life now? <laughs> my life story is uh, all I can tell you. It's an unanswered prayer. When I finished with England school, I went uh, to a uh, secondary school in Cashmead. And when I finished in Cashmead, in a secondary school in Cashmead, I had done a, a course in uh, uh, typing, shorthand and bookkeeping. And I thought I'd get a job from some solicitor or shop, but nobody wanted Nora Murphy. I was at home, and this neighbour called, and she said, would you ever come to England with me? And we would go nursing. They're looking for student nurses in Bolton. So you went to Royal Infirmary. So you went to the UK to become a nurse. I had no thought of becoming a nurse, and I said to her, "What sort of a job is that?" So she said, "I had two sisters nurses, and uh, both married GIs officers. Mm-hmm. They kind of were over during the war." And this was now in, in the 1945 uh, the war ended. This was 44, and this was 1945, going on 1946. So, how, I, how many years were you there studying? I spent four years in England. But the strangest thing about it was. That the morning I was all set to go to England, and we had uh, all our documents and everything ready, and I and we got vouchers from the door to the hospital. We paid all the way. Mm-hmm. This girl, that very morning, was going the top road, getting married, and I am going alone. To England. Were you nervous? I don't, don't know. I didn't. I didn't think twice about it. But I, I had to do something. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy it? I went on my own. And another strange thing that happened was that the train I left Castlemaine to go to Dublin. It was the last turf train to go from Castlemaine to Dublin. And we had two fields of turf going up. I went on at 8 o'clock in the evening, and I didn't arrive in Dublin until 8 o'clock the following morning. And there I was saying the traffic here was coming bad. <laughs> Very good. And then you went nursing in Dublin. I, I was met by people from the hospital in Dublin, put up in the, a hotel for the night. I met one other girl that was going to the same hospital there. That, 
that did introduce us. Was I happy <laughs> to meet somebody? Mm. We were we were taken to the training to the boat in the morning. And from there, from Liverpool, we went to uh, uh, no, from the North Wall to Liverpool, and from there we were met again and again until we reached the hospital. So you had a friend? I had a friend. Oh. And we were met at, uh, with the uh, transport from the hospital at the uh, trade and from there she told us that we, there were 90% Irish in the hospital now and whatever we did we went to disgrace them. <laughs> oh, they, she gave us a warning that we were dreaming. <laughs> Did you miss Ireland while you were away? Did you miss home while you were gone? Well, they were they were so nice to me over there. Yeah. In England, we were wanted. So badly at that time. Yeah. Outside the nurse's home, there was a, a bus, and I went like down to the town to to Bolton. And when we, if you went out to get your your uh, a transport down, that bus driver would say to you. Are you nursing in there? And of course you'd admit. And he said, we wouldn't take a favour. They were an old colonel on our days off. He had a, a summer home quite close to the hospital over the bridge house, we used to call it, across the bridge to it. You could go there for your day off, and his housekeeper would make you a beautiful breakfast. You could go into the reading, hear the reading room, and a tennis course outside. Wow. Go out and play. You would treat it like a lady for your day off. All the nurse, the Irish nurses went down there that couldn't go home. Mm-hmm. And when you came home after four years, what was it like in Ireland then? After my first year home, I, I you you got to, you got a break after your first year. We we had done my first exam, and I you see whatever uh, science I did, I did it through Irish, and of course the words then in English didn't mean anything to me. I found it very hard having done things through Irish now to sort of try and but even though I was really no good at home at all so yeah, I couldn't ride a bicycle <laughs> and, I, and we lived on a farm and I couldn't make it. <laughs> what was living on a farm like? 
Oh, our farm, it was a big farm, about 100 acres. Everybody in the house could work except Nora. I was quite a useless young one because I thought I'd, I'd work in some office or other. Anyhow, the first year there, I was, uh, I got the, my uh, first year nursing there, and uh, before I was, before I did my le- uh, the, the, the exam, uh, uh, we either be chosen as who would be the most practical first year nurse and the most academic. Mm-hmm. Of course, I wasn't the most academic, but I was. What it happened? That I happened to be the most practical. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I really think it's because that I, I love talking to the young ones that came in. Mm. And at that time, of course, if you had your opinions out, you were in for a whole week. Mm. And all these young girls come in. And they, of course, they all had boyfriends. And... I'd be looking at these young fellas in the evening, and I'd, say, and I'd go around, and I'd always say to the... I get him about our own age. Oh, he was a lovely fellow, and in the evening, you know. And it was because I could joke and talk to the... Yeah. That when the girls would... When they'd be going out, they'd say to the... Uh, to the uh, n- n- uh, sister on the ward, oh, be sure and thank the nurse with the red hair. She was very nice to me. But I had red hair. And she'd come and she'd say, oh, uh, Mrs. So-and-so wants to thank you. And she has left some uh, chocolates in, in the kitchen for you. <laughs> Nora, you say you do love talking to younger people and, you know, telling younger people the stories. You taught a class a couple of years ago. You had a talk with them. What was that about? George McGrawhorn came here to me and she said, would you ever show me where the new school is? So I said, yes, it's near the checkered voice, and she said, oh, would you ever sit into the car and come out with me? Well, I, I, you know, I can walk out with that very slowly. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'd, I, I'd go, I'd show you. And uh, I said, I can see the car, can't I? You can. How we went up, we went out. There's this big marquee outside the school. And I... John said, I thought I was going to meet the Minister for Education here and just uh, the teacher of the Din School. Well, I said, we better go up to it anyhow. And we went up and she went into the big marquee and uh, there's half the Din in there, men and women, and they have uh, the um, Minister for Education. Her aide de and and they have 
people then that are going to take over in school. And now we're going to become uh, educate together uh, a parochial school. They also have the priest there, Father, Father Patchy there, and uh, this uh, fella who's supposed to be, who's over the uh, educate together, and he's what we used to call an old Kigre, or an old Irish inspector. Mm-hmm. And they've all made their speeches and things like that. And afterwards, the Minister for Education and Joan, he that they, they knew one another well because they went to school together in, in North Kerry. Oh. And they come over to me and... She said, who's the lady with you? And she said, she's my uh, husband's aunt. And we, she sat down and she said, oh, would, would, you t- would you take a photograph with me? And I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I said, that's okay. Then uh, the, minister, the other man comes over. He says, what can you tell us about the old school? And I said, well, I said, the only thing I, I, I told him, I went to school there when I was four years old. And at the same time, I I told him, I, the only story I have really worthwhile about the old school is that my father went there. And this time... They wanted to get rid of the Irish. And, you know, he, as a child, he was all Irish. Mm. So now they wanted to make it English. And the old master was more English than the English themselves. He forced them to speak English and no Irish at school. That he'd make, get him into a kipping and put a hole through it. I put a card around it, into it, and tied on the neck of the ch- first child he heard speaking Irish. Well, it went for more. But he told that child, as soon as you hear another person speaking Irish, will you break it to me, and I will take the kipping from your neck and put it around his neck. And it went like that from one child to the next child, the old master telling them all that if they could hear anybody speak Irish, all they had to do was to bring him in. That all went from one child to the next child until it reached my father, Johnny Murphy. He was a child at this time about 11 or so, and they were out playing football, and he Apparently, what he said was, Thrummanly Road, give me the ball. Or he said, Shall I say him? You spoke Irish, Jerry, come with me. He had to go. But from that day on, until the day that man left school, he put the kip around his neck every morning 
until he went home from school and took it off, left in the desk. He never told on anyone. He had many another fellow speak Irish, but he never told a master. He just wore his kipping, and instead of they all thinking he was in any way soft, there was more respect for him from the other pupils at the school because they all knew that they were made fools of and that they should have kept their keeping. But when he, when he got married, and how many, some years later, my father, his mother, my mother said to him, Oh, Johnny, they got you soft. <laughs> they make you keep that around your neck. <laughs> Do you know what he said to her? I wore the keeping with pride for my Irish language. And he said to her, Tirkantanga. Country without its language is no country. Mm -hmm. When I'm saying this to the young ones in the clean, one of the other children put up right and she said, What do you mean by Tirkantanga? <laughs> As I say, it was the icy and the cake. I was very glad to be able to tell her that it was a country without its language is no country. Nora, what year were you born? 1928 and 1932 I started school. Wow, that was so young. You were so young starting. I was four years old. Yeah. But I only went for half a year, you see. Mm. And then after Christmas, for the winter, I didn't go to school. Even though the school was only a short, a stone's throw away from... She was, it was... The school was given to the children of the Glen by Shater, the old landlord. And we were really... Uh, uh, the people who got the old landlord's uh, land. Mm. And that's, uh, there's an old ruin of land of shelter in the, in the glade. Mm. But it was the best part of the land, you know. Yeah. Looking out at Skellig's Rock, Puffin Island, and Bolas Head and, and Wales Head, Picture postcard. And Nora, you're a very big Kerry supporter. Oh, oh I am a. Well, now, <laughs> you see, I, I am very fond of the Kerry people. <laughs> even though I, I, but I, even though I got my training, the best training in the whole world as a nurse. In, in the Bolton Royal and Ferry. I loved every day I was there. And how I came then to come back to Ireland again, it was the time that, time that TB was rampant in Ireland. Hmm. Young people were dying of TB, young families. 
Tibi had no mercy. Rich and poor alike died with it. Noel Brown was the minister at the time and he opened up all those sanatoriums. I came back to Ireland uh, uh, when I finished my training. I gave one year to the hospital after finishing as a, as a staff nurse in Bolton. Came back to, to Piedmont and I, I did my TB training in England at that time. And that's it. You never started. Streptomycin came in then. Island strip. And we. I was never afraid of getting the TB somewhere or not. Really? Never. Never. Why? I, Why so? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> As I say, my way, my, my whole life was an unanswerable. <laughs> When I finished there, I went to, it was a, uh, a very posh nursing home in uh, Dublin, the, uh, the Pembroke. And in that nursing home, you know, we, we had people of royalty, we had the Ogilvies, mm. and they were cousins of the Queen. Oh, wow. Yes, and I met the the girl, the nurse that was my best friend from that day on. For many years, Kathleen Burke and myself, we we were we met. I went from Dublin to Galway, from Galway, I. To Melbourne Park in Galway, and I spent three years there. I enjoyed every minute of that. But being back home then must have been fantastic. It was. Well, it was. I'll tell you something. Nursery in Ireland was, to me, was fun. Nursery in England. It was very regimental. Oh, we were, it was strict. Mm. What nice. But very... Pleasant. Yeah, it was a pleasure. It, I, and you know, I was at that age when I, when I needed to be... Doing something. Yes, something. Yeah. But when I came, the first time I came home to Ireland... Uh, having been in England, going over to Ireland, to to England, I was very uh, dull, mm. quiet, shy little. I wouldn't think that now. <laughs> <laughs> I only had been one year in England when I when I was apparently my whole life changed. Yeah. And when I came home, the first time I came home, uh, it was the time that we had the new look. And the new look was a long coat down. And I, of course, you never got anything until you were coming home. And 
And I bought this new coat, the new, all new look, a hat with a feather. <laughs> and I go home, tied to the bachelor's gear. Uh, I go, of course, I'm now a very different looking person. <laughs> and one young lad, his sister told me this lady, this fellow went home to his mother and he said, and he was about my own age, you know, that group. He said, they were a girl at mass this morning. <laughs> and she looked like a philipster. But he said, I was told she was only an ornamental. <laughs> Uh, well, Nora, I think you're more than just only Nora Murphy. Only Nora Murphy. <laughs> but Nora Murphy never really saw the glen until she came back the first time. Mm. And you couldn't tear me away from looking out at Stilly's Rock and Puff Island. Mm. Because Bolton, Bolton was all red buildings, mm-hmm. you know, in an industrial town. Yeah. You realised what you had then, you know, when you did come home. I thought, oh, I thought, this is beautiful. I just feast my eyes in it while, while I'm here for two weeks. My sister wanted me to, to go with, you know, to, at least, you know, Eileen, my sister Eileen, she was, I, I, two years younger than me when we were growing up. Now she was ready to go to dance halls and everything like that. And she said, well, Nora, would you ever come to the dance hall with me? Well, I said, and that was balance killings. <laughs> I don't cycle. <laughs> Which, of course, she could cycle and she could do everything. I, oh, she said, should I walk down with you? It was a three-mile walk. And I said, all right, I'll walk, so I can walk. And we walked down to the hall. And over the experience I had in this hall, <laughs> all the, the boys that I used to know at school, they were all there, oh, all just around me, <laughs> say, oh, Dora, you're looking great. <laughs> How do you like England? What is it all about? Oh, I said, I'm very happy in England. And that, a dance was called. And they all vanished like flies. <laughs> oh, Dora. And, and they, they turned to my sister and said, Will you dance? I lead. Oh, wait, she's going to sit down. If that didn't happen for every. All night long, as soon as the dance was over, oh, come back again. <laughs> oh, Nora, that's funny. Nora, I know, like. Nora, finally, I just want to, to say you are a very big supporter of the Kerry GAA. I said, oh, well, I tell you about the Kerry G. Of course, now I, I'm, I'm an old. Lady, and Mary Donahue is one of my carers, and she's very kind to me during the time of the 
lockdown with the virus. And here we are with the... Uh, I'm up in Cairn Road at the time. And I'd taken care of my brother, who lost... who had, uh, had to have a leg amputated. And I took care of him for nine years before he died. And then the virus set in. And Mary, you lived not quite, not very far from me up the back. And she used to come at the weekend. And she'd sit for three for a couple of hours. But she always said to me, I was alone. If you're afraid, and the only one I'd ever be afraid of in case there'd be anyone breaking in, that sort of thing, let, let me know. I, I'll be with you in a few minutes, and which don't be worried. And of course, it was a great comfort to know that I could call her. Day and night, she said, just call me. So... Her daughter then, Casey, would you align with, with uh, Graeme Sullivan? Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, I said, all the Kerry, they were, the Kerry uh, football was on and they were, they were going to play Dublin. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I said, oh, I, 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 I need a scarf for, for Graeme. But my eyes weren't great, and I was very slow, I think. And I you know I'd got the, the ball. I had done that much of it. Did you see it over there, mm-hmm. John? But Bridie, that another uh, old lady at the end of the line here, Bridie, 96. And Bridie came up here one day, and she said, oh, No, I, 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 I said to her, would you have a new fuel, Rosa, Dad? And she looked at it and she said, I'll take it. Oh, yeah, I can be grateful if you need a few lines because I said, I won't, I won't have this finished for another year. <laughs> and she took it. She came, that was Friday. She came back Saturday evening. What the fault? I couldn't believe it. Oh. I had only done that much. She had it finished then by Saturday evening. Amazing. She's a wonderful little woman. Yeah. Do you see her picture there? No, but did you give that to Graham? Eh? Did you give the scarf to Graham? Did you give the scarf to Graham O'Sullivan? I did. And ah. you see it's around his neck here. And... And he brought you to Sam Maguire last year. Look, that's where you're sitting there. That's he's sitting there with the gram. Oh. Sam oh, lovely. Nora, I have to say, you're a fantastic woman with plenty of stories. <laughs> you have a smile that would light up a room. <laughs> Whatever you say, I, I think you're more than just Nora Murphy <laughs> because a lot of people look up to you and would love to hear all your stories. And I want to say thank you so much for making the time to talk to me today. And they said to me today, have your favourite song for for this day? I said, I have. And my favourite song is, 
a little bit of heaven fell from out the sky one day. It nested in the ocean in a land so far away. And when the angels found it, it looked so peaceful there. They said, suppose we leave it. It looks so peaceful. It's an Irish lullaby. That's the song my mother sang to me when I was just a baby. <laughs> 